slow down. Uh, Kenny Chesney, um, man in the mirror, slow down. You're running too fast to see what life's all about. This world ain't a fire for you to put out. The best times are here and now. Slow down, slow down. Some of you are running really hard and really fast. And I'm going to guess just listening to that song, there was possibly a chord that struck with you. Some of you, when you look in the mirror, you see someone who's tired, worn out, strained, stressed, fractured. You know, stress fractures, uh, it's been a big deal in the NBA the last couple of years. They sidelined some of the greats in the NBA, uh, especially uh, the past two seasons, guys like uh, Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin and Manu Ginobili. Uh, just, uh, it's put them on the sidelines. It's plagued some of them their entire careers. In fact, it forced the early retirement of guys like Bill Walton and Yao Ming. And the fact is, uh, it's, a, it's an issue. I was reading uh, Sports Illustrated uh, a while back. They were talking about stress fractures in, in athletes. And uh, sa- says this. <clears throat> a stress fracture begins when, when the shock and the strain of playing game after game after game creates microscopic cracks in the outer layer of the bone, usually in the leg or the feet. If the pounding continues and those tiny crevices, which often go undetected, aren't allowed to heal, they enlarge. When the cracks become large enough to cause pain, they're stress fractures. I was thinking back uh, 1975, I was playing soccer. I was running cross country and running marathons. And um, I started noticing that my leg just felt kind of weird. And I was struggling. I didn't uh, really know what was going going on, but the fact is I just kind of shrugged it off. And I remember uh, coming up from uh, the basement. My bedroom was in the lower level of the house, and I was coming up, and my leg just gave out coming up the steps. And so I turned around. I sat down on the steps for a few minutes. My leg was kind of numb. It, it felt odd. And, and I thought, you know, what's wrong with you, Damon? You know, suck it up, get up, you're going to be fine. And so the next day I was at school, I was in the locker room, and some of the guys were kind of horsing around, and somebody pushed me from behind, and I collapsed on the floor. And I had shattered my femur. It's the upper part of the leg here. And uh, the fact is that I found out all the running that I had been doing, that ache, that numbness, that I had, had created microscopic cracks in the, in the femur, and it ended up shattering. I was in the hospital for six weeks uh, in traction, and then I was in what they call a spica cast, which is a cast that goes from your toe up to your chest, and uh, I was in that for almost four months. Rarely did we leave the house. We had, uh, it was around Christmas time uh, when, when uh, I remember uh, dad taking me out of the house for the first time. And um, 
I could tell you lots of uh, funny stories. I will spare you today. We'll use that another time. But the fact is, it, it really kind of uh, messed up my life that year. And it could have very well been avoided if I had listened to my body and that, that warning system that was trying to tell me something was wrong. And what I want to do today, I want to sound a warning system. Because some of you are ignoring that fracture in your life. You're, you're living life on the run. Some of you came in today when you sat down. It was that you had that moment. It's like, ah, oh, you know, a couple minutes of rest. And the fact is, you're stressed out. You're exhausted. And I want to say to you, life's too short to live that way. Life's too short to, to live in a hurry all the time, to be overwhelmed all the time. Now, I want us to be honest for just a moment. How many of you would like to have a few more hours in your week this coming week? Let me see your hands. You know, more time for yourself, more time to, to rest and relax more time to maybe do something you enjoy doing, more time to spend with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, more time to spend with God, more time to spend working on your spiritual life. I'm going to guess most of us would say, yeah, I wish, I wish I had more time. I would invest in those important places in my life. But here's the reality, I think. If all of a sudden God said, you got two extra hours every day, boom, and you had it. It is unlikely that you would spend that time doing the important things in life. Chances are many of you would just run harder. Life's too short to live that way. It's too short to live exhausted and overwhelmed. Paul writes this, he says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Culture has a way of overwhelming our time. Culture has a way of owning your schedule. And I want to challenge you today to look in the mirror, to look at your life. And I want you to think about this for just a moment. I want you to think about the last time that you had a day off and it was free time that you did not expect that you were going to have. And I want you to think about what you did. See, I think there's a pretty good chance that you did not hang out with your family, you did not hang out with your friends, you didn't do something that you enjoy. In fact, I would guess you didn't spend extra time with God. You probably didn't do any of those things. There's a pretty good chance what you did was run errands. You got caught up on some chores at home. You got ahead on some work maybe spent some time answering emails. But chances are 
the things that you say are important in life got overrun by things that you thought were urgent and important. The fact is, we easily get overwhelmed. The things that we say are important get sidelined. This world has a way of overwhelming you and overtaking your life, ultimately. I don't know if you've had the experience uh, I have uh, of having a car that's out of alignment. You know, what happens? You know, you're driving, and the car just naturally pulls one direction or another. And so you're constantly having to fight it, right? Correct it. And if you don't, what happens is the car goes somewhere you don't want it to go. Ultimately, it'll go off the road. And I want to suggest we're out of alignment in life. By our very nature, by the very nature of sin, we're out of alignment. Sin pulls us. It pulls us toward culture. It pulls us off center in our lives. In fact, it will pull us away from God and away from God's design for, for life. And so when you, when you look in the mirror, see, I think there's a pretty good chance that when you look, you see someone that's pushing it to the nth degree in life, someone that's dealing with a, a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. You may see someone that's kind of tired and exhausted. And friends, it's not the good kind of exhaustion. It's not the the good kind that when you have it like a strenuous workout. It's not the the kind of exhaustion that you can go to sleep and it goes away. You know, it's not the the kind of, of depletion that can be restored by drinking Gatorade recovery. It's not the kind of fracture that's healed on its own. It's the kind that depletes your spirit, that sucks life out of you, that that takes you off the court and leaves you on the sideline. The, The pain of this kind of depletion, it just won't go away. It won't. And so when you look in the mirror, you see someone whose life isn't going the way you planned. Some of you see someone's life that's out of control. You see a life that's running way too fast. And I just want to say today, life's too short to live that way. Here's the crazy thing. I I think intuitively, we we know that we need to slow down. I I think many of us today would say, yeah, I've sensed... That, that voice in your head, I think it's the Holy Spirit that whispers, that says, slow down, slow down. But most of us don't. We, we look for ways to cope with the pace that we're keeping instead of slowing down in life. You know, some people turn to alcohol or drugs to try and overcome the pace. Some get involved in, in affairs. Some people think that if I just run faster and harder, what will happen is eventually I can conquer this feeling of being overwhelmed. And what happens when you do that, you, you begin to look in the mirror and you, you see that you can't keep up. In fact, when, when you're alone and you look in that mirror, you're reminded life is not 
what you thought it was going to be. That's a stress fracture. And sadly, I think millions of people will never live the life God intended them to live. People will not be who God created them to be. As Christians, as a spouse, as a parent, as a person, because they lack the energy, they lack the strength, they lack the power to live that life. In fact, sadly, I think millions of people will never reach their full potential spiritually. They'll never come to to know God or trust God the way that God intended. And it's not because we defy God. But it's because we're too tired. We're too preoccupied to, to follow God. Here's the deal. I think Satan, Satan, if he cannot get you to deliberately and openly just defy God and go, I don't want anything to do with you, God. If he can't get you to just disobey God, what he will do is keep you so busy and so unfocused in your life and so exhausted that you miss God's will for your life, that you fail to become the person that God created you to be, called you to be. See, weariness is not from God. Life is too short. There's a better way to live, and I want to challenge you to live that way. You know, one day, Jesus, he was looking at a group of people, and I think he must have known that they were broken and they were tired. And Jesus made this promise. He says, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, Some of you are doing both those things. He says, I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest. How many of you have ever played the the game Sims? Let me me see hands. All right. (laughs) And... I remember several years ago, I had a buddy, he was playing. He goes, oh, you got to check this game out. It's so cool. And so finally, he, he harassed me enough that I decided I would give it a run. And, and Sims is what they call a, a sandbox game. In other words, there are no rules and there are no objectives. So it's kind of a weird game, to, to be honest. But basically, you create a character, and, you, and it's called a sim. And so you manage them. And you manage their house, and you manage their work, and you manage their relationships. You you decide how they recreate. You decide what they eat, what they drink, you know, when they take a bath, when they go to sleep. You manage their time, and you manage their schedule. It's like having a second life, all right? (laughs) It's not a whole lot of fun, honestly. But um, I ought to be a salesman for the product, right? (laughs) But anyway, you're supposed to keep tabs on your, your sim, and they have these meters. And the meter tells you how they are doing emotionally and physically and relationally. And if it gets out of balance, your sim becomes very difficult to deal with. And so the first time I, I played, I didn't keep track of the, the meters. And so I created DT Sim. And... I will tell you, he drank too much espresso. Figure that. (laughs) 
He didn't go to bed because he drank too much espresso. Uh, He lost his job. He was a popcorn vendor at the circus. And my meter got way, way, way out of balance. And so my sim became very, very difficult to deal with. He was lethargic. He didn't want to do anything. He was depressed. And the only good news in all of it, I created a CT sim. That was my wife. And she seemed very well adjusted in comparison to the popcorn vendor dropout husband that she had. (laughs) A strange game. But I will tell you the game was easier once I started watching the meters and paying attention. And I think it's a little bit like real life. You got to keep your eyes on the meters in your life, so to speak. So what I want to do real quick is do a health check. And I want you to check some of your meters. And I'm going to make a statement, a meter per se. And I want to ask you to, to rate yourself on each one. And so I'm going to ask you to rate yourself 1 to 10. 1 being this is really good, no problem, everything's going well, all right? And a 10 would be things are out of balance, everything that you just got done talking about, you'd say, that's me, it's got my name written all over it, and then you can be anywhere in between 1 and one and 10. You might want to get a pen out, unless you're too tired this morning, and uh, just jot, jot your numbers down because we're going to add them up at the end, uh, end of it all. The first statement or the first meter, your life is a dead run. You have a, a constant sense of urgency in your life. You're always rushing. You do not have enough hours in the day to do what you need to do. There, there are way too many things to do. You're, you can't keep up with your responsibilities, your, your obligations. You're juggling them all the time. It's a little bit like the guy that, that drove for Petco. And every stoplight, he'd get out, and he'd take a two-by-four, and he'd hit the side of the truck. He'd just pound on it. And there's a guy following him, and so every light, this would go out. The guy would get out, he'd smack the truck, and, and over and over and over. And finally, the guy following him, he was like, curiosity got to him. The, the light... They stopped. He jumped out, and he runs up to the truck, and and he asks the delivery guy, says, I've been following you for several blocks now. Why do you get out and and hit the side of the truck at every light with that two-before? The guy goes, well, I've got two ton of canaries. This is a one-ton truck, and if I can keep half of them in the air, I can keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) (laughs) do you ever feel like that though do you ever feel like you're overloaded you ever have that nagging feeling in your life that important things are going undone do you ever feel like you're you're not fully in the present because you're worried and preoccupied about all the stuff that you got to do you ever feel like there's no margin in your life? The fact is one interruption or one delay and you can't get caught up. Is that you? You know, if you're sitting there going, oh yeah, that's me, then, then give yourself a 10, you know. I'm on that treadmill. That's, that's me. That's, that's got my name written all over it. Give yourself a 10. If you're sitting there going, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor, then give yourself a 1 on that one. But rate yourself somewhere, 1 to 10. 
All right, here's second. You struggle making decisions. As a society, we, we want all these options, and we've got them big time. In fact, experts say that we are on choice overload in our lives. And you think about compared to 100 years ago, it's just kind of unreal, the choices that we have to make. You take something very simple like uh, buying shampoo. A hundred years ago, you had one choice. You'd get lye and, and you'd wash your hair with it. Today, there are over 2,500 shampoos. You sit in the aisle, it's like, you know, dry, oily, colored, damaged, frizzy, curly, shampoo with, with aloe, henna, seaweed. You can make your hair smell like anything you want, you know, any flower, any fruit, any vegetable, any herb, vitamin-enriched, UV protection, organic. Should I keep going? <laughs> I mean, you, you could go on and on and on. You, you stand there in the aisle and you think, my goodness, which one do I want? You know, 50 years ago, three TV stations. I know, the young people are going, what? (laughs) We had three choices, three choices. And it went off about midnight, you know. Today, you can sign up over 200 stations. That's more than 100,000 choices every month. And it's wearying. How How many of you wrestle with indecision? How many of you aren't sure? <laughs> you know. How many of you need more time? <sighs> Just rate yourself. You know, give yourself a 10. You go, you know what? I struggle making decisions. I, I hate making decisions. Some of you want to nudge your spouse and go, they won't make a decision, you know. Or one, you go, no, I'm okay on that. I'm okay on that. Here's the third one. You have a surplus of information, but a shortage on wisdom. We run ourselves ragged trying to master the influx of information around us. Think think about this for just a moment. Think about the manuals, you know, to operate things in your life. Your car, your TV, remotes. Computers, programs, apps, applications, appliances, cell phones. Think about on the health front, all the stuff we need to know. No carbs, low carbs, cholesterol, you know, HDL, LDL, all these new findings all the time. And, and, you, and you try and keep up, don't you? But we can't. We are the most informed society that has ever lived. But, but I've asked this before. Are we the wisest? I mean, are we? You know, the Proverbs say, the, the wisdom is more precious than, than rubies, and nothing you desire compares with her. We, we have confused information. We go, oh, I know all this stuff, with wisdom. Scripture does not say that information is more precious than rubies. It says wisdom is. Wisdom's about knowing how to live life and live it well. Wisdom comes very slowly. You cannot microwave wisdom. You can't catch it on the run. 
And so rate yourself. If you are living with a sense of being overloaded, if your wisdom quotient seems to be decreasing, then give yourself a 10. If your wisdom quotient, you go, no, no, it's increasing. I can tell it. Then give yourself a 1 or somewhere in between there. All right, here's the fourth one. You have a superficial relationship with God And this one's going to cut deep for some of you. I mean, do you have a sense that your spiritual life is stagnant? Is your uh, faithfulness to God kind of sporadic? You know, sometimes you're at church, sometimes you're not. Even when you are at church, sometimes you're engaged, sometimes you're not. The fact is, your, your prayers, if the truth were known, they're kind of hurried. You pray on the run all the time. And if the truth were known, you're not growing in your faith. Because you don't have the energy. And you don't have the time. In other words, your relationship with God's taken a hit. And friends, I will tell you, if you don't correct it, you you really face the prospect of getting to the end of life, wrestling with the same junk you've been wrestling with and the same sins and the same destructive patterns. And so just think about that for a little bit. Give yourself a 10 if you'd say, yeah, I'm not growing. I've kind of been skimming spiritually, kind of doing the surface stuff. Or give yourself a one. If you go, no, I'm devoted. I'm working hard. I can tell I'm growing. It's happening. Here's the fifth one. You have a decreased ability to love because you're spent. You lack the energy to, to care, to serve, to love those around you. People who are spent really have a fatigue issue in their life. Compassion fatigue, relational fatigue, patience fatigue, you know, politeness fatigue. That's why we've got a rude society. It's not because, I don't think people wake up and go, you know what, I think I'm going to be the rudest person to ever walk the planet today. I think they're tired. Many of you who are parents, you're raising your kids right now. You know how this goes. It's been a hard day. You're worn out. You get home. You're spent. And you know, you know that your kids need to talk. You know that your kids need your presence. You know that your kids need discipline. But you got nothing. You got nothing left because you're worn out. See, I believe most parents' hearts are in the right place. You want to give. You want to do it. But you can't because you're empty. And if your love quotient is decreasing in life, that's a warning. So, so rate yourself. Is your love quotient decreasing? Is your apathy, uh, your anger fuse, so to speak, are, are they short? Do you kind of blow it? things? If so, give yourself a 10 on this. 
or give yourself a one if you go, you know what, I believe that I'm increasing in love. I believe I regularly show love to my family and the people around me with words and deeds, all right? Now, I want you to add your scores, all right? I'm going to give you a moment to add your scores. Five areas. Take your totals from each area, add them up in your head or on your paper, whatever. If you're up around 50, your life's being held together with paper clips and rubber bands and I'm going to guess it's a train wreck. If you're around 25, well, I'll just tell you, that's a half a life. The warning signs ought to be apparent. And if you're pushing up toward the single-digit stuff, well, that's a great score. But total number, no hands, okay? Do not raise your hands. But how many of you are thinking that something needs to change? My guess is, for many of you, you knew it before you came through the door today, before you even knew what the topic was. And I want to say to you, for some, if you keep operating the way you are operating, your heart is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And your sense of joy will evaporate if it hasn't already evaporated. And your ability to love, at some point, it will vanish. And there will come a point in your life, and you may already be there, where you're going to look in the mirror and you will not recognize the person that is in the mirror. Friends, that is not what God intended for you. But it is how the world works. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us life, abundant life. It is the best way to live, hands down. And real quick, I'm going to take us through a passage of Scripture that I think has some of the keys to getting things on track, to living that, that full life. It's found the 23rd Psalm. David, David was a king and a warrior. He was a very busy guy, had a lot of demands on him, a lot of pressures. And David, David writes this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The first three verses of the 23rd Psalm are statements. And they involve choices. Choices about how to live. David said, this is how I'm going to live. This is the the direction I'm going to go in my life. And I think we have to decide if we're going to follow the spiritual wisdom that's here. Because if you do, it results in a restored soul. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. David put his life in God's hands. Sheep 
belong to what? The shepherd. Sheep follow the shepherd. And I, and I wonder, for some of you, have you ever asked God to be your shepherd in life? Because the alternative is to live life without a shepherd. The alternative is to live a life of worry and anxiety and fear. David understood this topic well. I mean, he was a shepherd. He understood how shepherds worked. David knew that the fate of the, the sheep depended upon the quality of the shepherd. You know, Philip Keller, uh, 20th century uh, uh, shepherd, he, he writes this. He says, sheep don't take care of themselves. Sheep require more attention than, and meticulous care than other classes of livestock. That's a polite way of saying they're stupid. <laughs> they're dumb. Sheep are dumb. And sheep have lots of needs. Shepherds always guiding the sheep, caring for the sheep, protecting the sheep, watching over the sheep. And friends, you and I have the opportunity for the God that created this universe to watch over us to care for us, to provide for us, to protect us. The shepherd is going to make sure life's okay. But you got to ask him to be your shepherd. It doesn't just happen. You know, James uh, writes and says, you don't have because you don't ask. And I want to challenge you today to turn your worries over to God, to pray and ask God. Ask God to be your shepherd to help you navigate the things in life. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. That's a strange comment, especially in our society today. You can go through life joyful and grateful and content the alternative is to live with a lot of discontentment in life, insatiable desires in life, never-ending quest to find satisfaction. You look at culture, and I, when I look at it, I see a lot of discontentment. You know, companies spend billions to tell you and convince you you are not happy. You're not happy. They want to convince you two things. One, you're not content. And two, that contentment is one purchase away in your life. It is a deadly treadmill. It will devour you if you're not careful. The antidote? Not wanting. Living life with an attitude of gratitude, I find, helps you kind of keep that desire thing in check. It changes your relationship with stuff. That attitude of gratitude kind of slows the pace down because it's not I'm wanting. It's okay to have stuff. But you get on the treadmill, it will eat you up. God knows what you need. And God also knows what you don't need in life. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The alternative to laying down is frantic activity, constant busyness, overcommitted lifestyle. You notice it says, he makes me. <laughs> he makes me lie down. God makes me lie down. How many of you have ever seen a, a kid that is tired, but they won't go to bed? 
You know, you go, honey, you're whiny and irritable. Go to bed. I'm not tired. You're tired. Go to bed. I'm not tired. Leave me alone. You're tired. Go to bed. Sometimes sheep won't lie down. Keller, in his book, he says, uh, sheep won't rest when a couple things, and that if they're afraid, if there's tension in the flock, and they said they're very social creatures, they'll start butting heads when the tension gets great. And if they're hungry, they won't rest. So in other words, they will not rest until they're free of fear, they're free of relational friction, and they're free of hunger. They, they just won't rest till those things are gone. Friends, some of you are afraid. You're afraid of what might happen. You're afraid of what has happened. And it's robbing you of rest. Some of you are in relational conflicts in your life. The, the tension and the friction, it's exhausting and it's wearing you down. You know, some of you are hungry. You're hungry for love. You're hungry for intimacy. You're hungry for success, for recognition in your life. And those things are getting you on the treadmill of this fanatic pace and activities in your life, this maddening pace, and that is stress fractures. And friends, it will steal your life, and it will kill, and it will destroy Keller says that a really good shepherd will help the sheep find rest. It'll give them the confidence that the shepherd's taking care of stuff. We don't have to worry about this stuff. David says, I have a shepherd like that in my life. He's taking care of those things for me. David says, the shepherd leads me beside the still waters. And it's interesting because sheep, sheep do not like noisy waters. They don't like fast-moving waters. In fact, they, they will bolt and, to stay away from it because I, I, they must know that if they get in the waters, they're going to drown. I mean, their, their wool would saturate and they can't swim. They, they drowned. They, and so they need still waters. They need quiet waters. And that's the only thing they're willing to go to. I was thinking, we do not live in a quiet world. We are the noisiest culture in history. And even when we have a chance to slow down and escape the noise and escape the pace, most people won't. And friends, it's not that we endure the pace and endure the noise in life. I I think we're addicted to it. Because I believe when we slow down and the silence comes, we come face-to-face with our hearts. We come face-to-face with life. And ultimately, we come face-to-face with God. And I think we resist it. And I want to say today, Slow down, slow down, slow down. My favorite verse in Scripture, used to have it on the outside of uh, the Bibles through the years. I'd always have it printed on the outside. Psalms 46.10, 
Be still and know that I am God. I'm exalted among the nations. I'm exalted among the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Slow down. Breathe. Some of you, that's what you needed to hear this morning. Breathe. Breathe. Take time out and relax and reflect and evaluate and talk to God, the creator of this universe, the God that created you. He will restore your soul. He will. You know, Jesus came to give life, full life, abundant life. And if you're not living it, then there's a reason. It's because you're weary. It's because you're tired. It's because you're worn out. It's because you're so overwhelmed with all the stuff that you got to do. I mean, some of you are full of anxiety today and fear. Some of you are running so hard. But it's not getting better, is it? Slow down. Look in the mirror. See who you've become. And if you don't like it, do something about it. Slow down. Some of you are weary and you're carrying heavy, heavy burdens. Come to Jesus. He will give you rest. Lean on Jesus. He'll help you through. He'll help you do some honest assessment in life. He'll help you gain a healthy perspective on things. He will help you unplug from some things that just need to go out of your life because it's keeping you from the best stuff. Friends, if you do that, if you allow him, he'll restore your soul. And you can start living God-honoring lives, lives full of joy and peace and rest. But you got you to make the decision. Nobody can do it for you. You just got to slow down, slow down. Life's too short to live the way we're living. It is. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, I pray that you would help all of us just to take a breath, to dial it down for just a moment. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we're carrying so much stress and anxiety, fear. God, I pray that uh, we just give it to you today. God, you would have us look at things and just say no to some stuff. Not because it's bad. Because it's keeping us from the important things in life. God, I pray that uh, we just let you be our shepherd. Give us rest, restore our souls. God, help us be the people you created us to be, called us to be. God, we just lay this stuff at your feet this morning. Give us rest. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. God's people said.
I'd invite you just to stay seated while you're listening to this song. Think about those things that maybe God uh, would have you just lay down today. You know, the fear, the anxiety, the pace, the schedule, whatever. Just let God speak to you this morning. 